It is such a fantastic day. Um, I don't know about you, I am not a creative. Um, are anyone else in here not a creative person? I'm an excellent thief, amen? Like, if any good idea I have, someone else had, and I just tweaked it, amen? So let me tell you what I learned about that. When I was in student ministry, um, I would go find t-shirts that I thought were really great. And then I would want to put my church's name on it and be like, we win. We have the cool t-shirt award. And, and in that process, I would go, and my first time, I remember very vividly, I, I, I called the screen printer up. I had to look them up in the yellow pages. Amen? You following me? The internet wasn't real when this was going on, or it was, but the military didn't share. However it works. And I called them up, and I said, here's the deal. Can I fax you? You like that? Can I fax you this picture as I'm going through? I wasn't wasn't doing this this is these are the pictures or whatever i saw i don't remember how i would find it wasn't on the internet i would just find it that way and i would say this is what i want and i remember the first guy said well i can't give you exactly that because that's stealing someone else created that artwork and you can't have it and put your name on it but if i tweak it more than 20 percent then it's yours I'm like that's stealing legally <laughs> so, so if you were to go back through my history of student ministry t-shirts 90% of them would look 20% off and 80% familiar amen Be because I was trying to imitate the original which was not possible and Today, what we're going to do is we're going to continue on Paul's first missionary journey, and we're going to be in the book of Galatians for the next three weeks and the book of Acts, because what happens is after Paul and Barnabas leave the island of Cyprus, they travel up to the region of Galatia. Galatia was not a city. It was a region, and it's found in, in what we now know as Turkey. And in Galatia, we see Paul stopping at these cities. Antioch, there were multiple Antiochs, right? This one was not in Syria, this one's in Galatia. We see him stopping in Lystra and Derby, and Iconium. We see him in all of these places, and we're going to journey with him through that. But when he wrote this letter later on in his life to the church at Galatia, he was writing to all of these churches, to all of the believers in the area. And, and in this, we, we thought Paul coming up against, um, you know, Bar-Jesus last week in, in Cyprus was something. But, but quite honestly, this is when Paul's faith got tested. Because the region that he would minister in in Galatia was hard soil. It was unfriendly territory. And so if you have a Bible, I want to let you, you can use two fingers today. One in Acts chapter 13. We'll start in verse 13. That'll be our journey today. But the second one in Galatians chapter 1. We'll start in verse 6 in that passage. And, and the letter to the Galatians is written to those Paul had invested in on this journey, this missionary trip. And, and what's interesting is in Galatians chapter 1 verse 6, Paul starts his letter out very differently than most of his letters. In most of Paul's letters, it's, man, I'm so thankful for you. When I think about you, I get Holy Spirit goosebumps. That's the David Adams standard. It's not exactly that way in Scripture. But this one does not start that way. 
Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. Let's just read part of verse 6 together because it's important. The Bible says this. Paul says, I am astonished. I'm caught off guard. My breath has been taken away. That you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of the gospel. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by grace to the gospel. It's an interesting thing. He's sending this letter back saying, you guys are deserting the gospel. And I can't believe it's happening so quickly. Our students will go away to camp. They will, they will get poured into. They will, many of them will get to feel what it's like to block out the world and to focus on Jesus Christ. And our prayer is, is that they bring that respite of faith back with them. But, but I, I've told them, when you get home, some of you are walking home and you don't know it. You've been worshiping Jesus all week. You're excited. And you're going to be grounded when you walked in the door. Because your mom told you 12 times to take the garbage out and to clean the room before you went to camp. And you didn't do it. And she's been mad all week. She's happy you've had time with Jesus. But now your consequences to your sin. Is he... This coming back in, this reality hitting, it can be very hard. The same way you and I can leave worship service on Sunday morning, filled by the presence of God. And by Sunday night, wrestling with the hard realities of addictions or sins or home life. You see, Galatia was hard soil. Let me tell you what Paul ran into in this short, it's only recorded in chapter 13 and 14, this first journey, what Paul ran into. After he dealt with Bar-Jesus, he and Barnabas set off. And the first thing he ran into was people harassing him. They were harassing him for preaching Jesus and not the law. So as he left town, the harassment followed him and turned from this harassment kind of feeling to an attack he was stoned he was yelled at the bible will say that that the men because they didn't want anyone to get upset with them in the roman region so to speak would have women go and harass them because you know the soldiers were a little bit easier on the women i remember one time walking out of the the temple um, mount region in jerusalem and as we were walking down through a district um, there was a 10 year old boy in a tree no no joke he was up in a tree and he would look back to an older man and the older man would say something and the younger man would hear it and then he would say it down and there were seven to ten teenage girls and a little bit older who would then yell with the most ferocious anger what they were told at those around them. I just tasted it. That traveled with Paul. And so Paul shared the gospel and they responded to the gospel. And so Jews who hated the cross, Jews who wanted to manipulate Jesus, all of this, when Paul left, the people of the Galatian region had to stay in this hard soil and live for Jesus. 
So Paul is not saying, I'm astonished that times are tough. What he's saying is, I'm astonished that you're abandoning what has saved you. Church, I want you to know today, it's hard soil in Pearland. It's been rain and cats and dogs, but it's hard soil in our city. It's hard soil in our country. It's hard soil in our world. Influence and power is, is not about Jesus and Christ alone. Influence and power is in opinion. It's in government power. It's in influential voices. It's in dictating popularity and populism. See, unintentionally, faith became popular in America. And somewhere along the way, became an inch deep and a mile wide. It became about, I'm living for Jesus and my family. I'm, I'm living for Jesus and my fortune. I'm living for Jesus and contentment. I'm living for Jesus and acceptance. I'm living for Jesus and rest. I'm living for Jesus and moral footing. I'm living for Jesus. And fill in the blank. Church, anything that is Jesus and is not the gospel. I want you to know that's been sown into our hard soil. And Paul says this way in Galatians chapter 1. Some of you are like, Pastor, you got to clarify that. Come on. He says, I... I'm astonished you're so quickly deserting him who called you to the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not verse 7, Galatians chapter 1. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you who want to distort the gospel of Christ. Even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. The word accursed means I'm not judging you. I am putting you under the judgment of God Almighty. It's, it's not I'm casting you down. I'm just telling you, let you be under the God that, that will deal with everything that is under him. Let him be accursed. And he says something wild. As we have said before, I say it again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Church, the Jews were saying, no, 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 you live for Jesus and the law. You live for Jesus and peace with the people around us. You live for Jesus and, no, 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 because of Jesus, you pray for the peace of the city. Because of Jesus, you pray for joy and life in your family. Because of Jesus, you pray for the rest of his promise and the peace that he gives. But it is not Jesus and church. It is not God and country. And I know it wasn't meant that way. 
But because of Jesus, we love and pray for our country. Amen? Because of Jesus, we have important decisions that we make, but it is not Jesus and because that is a different gospel. Oh, church. Listen. There are people who want to distort the gospel. And it's easy sometimes. I mean, I love you all desperately. I love my wife and children a different kind of desperately. Amen. Will you forgive me that? The Bible says, David, if you're going to follow Jesus, you must love Jesus so much that in comparison to your family, it appears like you hate them because you love him so much. There's no Jesus and. That's a different gospel. Now, here's the crazy thing. As Christians, we should be the best citizens of any country we're a part of. As Christians, we should pray for peace and protection. As Christians, we should lift up all those things, but they're because of Jesus. But there's no dual citizenship in heaven. So what is the real gospel? Paul preached it in Acts chapter 13. Starting in verse 13. He starts with the story of the gospel when he's asked to pray more. Listen to what he said. Starting, let's go down to verse 16. We'll save a little time. So Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, Men of Israel, you who fear God, listen. The God of this people Israel chose our fathers and made people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. With uplifted arm, he led them out of it. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. And after that, he gave them the judges until Samuel the prophet the prophet church the gospel is god's promise of life now this is a sentence not three bullet points the gospel is the promise of life you see by by definition it's good news for the broken the captive and the weary the gospel is the the promise that where you are is not a, a candle to the life God has in store for you. When Jesus said it, he said it this way, I have come because he is the gospel, and we'll tie this all together, that you might have life and have it to the fullest. Church, the gospel is God's promise of life. We see this in Paul's testimony. When the people were in Egypt, he said, I promise you life, not slavery. When they were in wilderness in the desert, he said, we'll elongate the timeline, but I promise you, life, not death. And when they walked into the land of Canaan, the, the way, place their life would be established in the promised land, he said, I am the good shepherd. I keep my promise. The gospel is the promise of life. Now look in the Bible further. It says in verse 21, 
Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man in the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before his coming, John proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, what do you suppose that I am? I am not he. No, but behold, after me is one who is coming, the sandals of whom I am not worthy to untie. God's promise, the gospel is God's promise of life under his promised king, Jesus. You see, it's not just like find life and make it work for you. God's promise of life is, is not under all these different places. God's promise of life comes under his promised authority. I mean, consider that just a little bit. I can't promise you life. I could fill all of your pockets with money. And when you walk out this door, your life could be taken by a random accident. I can't give you life. I, I can make you feel loved in this place and every time I see you. And I can do everything I can to make you feel loved. But when you walk out the door, someone may yell at you and make you feel hated. And, and the way I, I show you love may be quieted down by the oppressor of another. I told my children, when you leave this home, I will always be available for you. Problem is, that's only true as long as I have life. See, the gospel under my authority is a worthless gospel. You follow me? Hey, look around our world right now. How many dictators, how many countries are being overthrown? They're trying under a man-made authority to keep the promise of life, and it's leading to death. So who has the authority to keep the promise of life? Only God's king, Jesus. You see, he is the only place to turn. With our country, what, what ought we pray for our country? that King Jesus would be our authority and give life to our president, our leaders, our mayors, our friends, our family. It will not happen unless they recognize him as authority because only he has the authority to give life. And he was God's promise. God's promised land of life pointed to the promise of the king. A king who would never fall, he would never fail. A king that would come in a way that was unexpected, but exactly how scripture dictated hundreds of years before. The gospel is the promise of life under the promised king Jesus, but there's more. Look in your Bible, this is what Paul says, inspired by the Holy Spirit in verse 25. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, those among you who fear God, to us has been sent this message of salvation for those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers because they didn't recognize him or understand the utterances of the promise, prophets, which have read every Sabbath, fulfilled them 
by condemning him. And though they found him not guilt, not guilt, no guilt, and worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and they laid him in the tomb, but God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus. Church, the gospel is God's promise of life under the promised King Jesus through the life of the King. So the promise is life under the authority, the lordship of Christ, and it happens through the very life of Christ. See, the, the gospel is not about moralism. There's a lot of moral direction in scripture, but it, it flows out of the gospel. It's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus. It's his story. He is life and the light of the world. He gives life to those who follow him. Church, in that, Jesus, the gospel, is Jesus, God's son, coming to earth while we were still sinners, living a perfect life, meeting those he met, dying on the cross, bearing the burden and the consequence of our sin, and being raised to life by God the Father, now reigning with him. It's through him and his story alone that we know the gospel. The gospel is not your story. It is not my story. If, if in your life, and guys, we do this at times, if in your life you tell a story, has anyone ever exaggerated a story in your life? Have you ever caught a fish this big? The moment the exaggeration comes in, it's no longer your story, is it? Anything we add to the story of Christ that is not about the promise of life for people under the king, the promised king Jesus, through his story, anything we add to it, any ideas you plant in Jesus' head, any, any thoughts that you have, any of those things make it a different story. So therefore, Jesus and anything else is Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 through 10. Church, he's saying, do not desert the gospel. It's hard soil. And so today, as we take the Lord's Supper, the invitation is to prepare your heart to reflect on the gospel story. Church, Scripture says that we are not to take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. What does that mean? It means before you and I take part in one of the most powerful, not just a symbol, but commands of our faith. Examine your heart. 
Are you giving your life for the gospel? If you have not, Scripture says, then don't take the Lord's Supper. Why? Because if you do, you're cursed. What does that mean? It means you're put under the God. You're going through the motions in order to fake out. You're put under his judgment. And we don't always think about this seriously. But prepare your heart this morning. If you have been believing that the gospel is something else than the story of Jesus Christ written out in the promise of life through the promise of God's King under and through King Jesus. If it's anything else right now, not to me, but to the, the King, confess that. Confess Him. Church, this morning, maybe you've been walking with Christ, but God and has kind of been, this hard soil's been getting to you. Confess that to Christ. You want to be a better father? Confess, God, I love you. Love my family through me. You want to be a better citizen, a patriot. God, I love you. Love my country. Love the people I'm protecting through me. You want to pray for those around you. God, in their life, let them lift you high so that they may have your wisdom and discernment and grace. You want peace in your life. Confess Jesus as king and ask him through you to show him peace where you cannot attain it. Do you see how much better Jesus is than a different gospel? What's the future of the church in America? simply depends on which gospel we proclaim what's the future of the kingdoms of the world that's been dictated by the one who has authority but life in the moment will be proven by the gospel and today in your hearing you have been given that encouragement so as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper, would you bow with me? Father God, I think the gospel and has maybe caused us to veer from you. God, I, I see the extremisms in our world, in our country. I feel the, the burden of the hard soil and the impression it makes on my life oh Lord Jesus Lord would you be the gospel and the gospel alone for each one of us Lord so that for those who are yours that we might be the best 
at living life out of anyone around because we're preparing for that life to come. Lord, as we respond to you this morning, Lord, I I lift up those in this room. Lord, I lift up those in our city, in our nation. Lord, I lift up those who are serving abroad. Lord, give them your wisdom. Give them your skill. Give them your words. Give them your life, God. Because kingdoms rise and fall, but the word of God remains. So as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper, Lord, let us do it in a worthy manner today. In Jesus' name. Amen.